everybody. Welcome to another Prague Report podcast interview. This is Roy Avon. Hope everybody's doing okay out there. King Crimson singer and guitarist Jacko Jacksick is back with a brand new solo album called Secrets and Lies. Comes out on October 23rd. Very pleased to welcome to the show, Jacko Jacksick. Hello there. How you doing? Good, man. How are you? Yeah, you know, struggling on through. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Well, nice to finally speak to you in person. I know that the uh, the press side of things is the the uh, a musician's least favorite thing to do. So. <laughs> well, it's one of them. Uh, right. it, you know, you you have a long run of them, and uh, I find myself <clears throat> thinking, have I told this anecdote already, or was that two interviews ago? You know, I just That's lose. Right. Yeah. Well, listen, I want to, uh, first of all, uh, just sort of get, uh, as as we sort of tend to do these days with these interviews, just sort of see how the person is doing in light of the, the quarantine and the pandemic and everything. How are you dealing? How are things on your end? Well, <clears throat> I've had a very odd, uh, I've had a very odd pandemic so far. <laughs> um, I separated from my wife. Uh, a couple of years ago and I was living in an apartment around the corner from the house but coming back to the house regularly because of the kids but also my studios in the grounds of the house um, and then at the beginning I've got 10 days into lockdown here in England uh, she decided to uh, go and stay somewhere else so I moved back in and uh, it was just me and the kids for about four months and it was lovely um, at first because uh, the weather was very nice and um we got into routine and, and it was just, it was great fun hanging out with the kids really. Um, <clears throat> but it's, it's since got very weird again. I won't <laughs> bore you with it, but it's, uh, yeah, it's been very odd. Well, let's talk about the, uh, the new record secrets and lies, uh, out on October 23rd. Um, it's a great, great album. Lots of really cool stuff on there. Uh, was this an album, you know, you had in, in the plans before things went shut down or, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd always plan. I had a very busy year planned, I'm sure, like most people. Yeah. Um, so I'd always planned to have it finished by February, really, because I was um, I was going on tour with Crimson in June and July in the States. And I was going to do um, a one man show at the Edinburgh Festival in August. So I had to kind of lay the year out. So I had to have the album finished really in February which gave me kind of March and April to uh, work on this one man show and then get into kind of crimson mode um, and then come back towards the end of July. And then all of August was going to be in Edinburgh and then the album was coming out in, in the autumn. So I guess lockdown um, gave me uh, the luxury of, of maybe spending a little more time tweaking things and adding things that I might not have done otherwise. Yeah. Um, but, but, but in essence it, it was uh it, you know, uh, I was planning to have it finished before before the, the virus really took hold. Right. So were you did you go back and say, well, I have some time. Let me tweak a guitar solo here and there or that, that type of thing. Yeah, just yeah, little bits. And um, I think I added I added something that I may not have added before. And yeah, it's just just tweaking it and and doing all the five point one mixes. Um, you know, it just gave me more time to do those rather than kind of rushing towards a imaginary uh, deadline you know yeah right um you know being somebody that that has to deal with in the world of king crimson and and the perfectionism that goes into a group like that um do you 
are you that way anyway in terms of music just perfectionist to the you know reviewing things a million times over until it's done or that when you do a solo thing you're like okay i have more freedom here i can i could be more sort of relaxed in this well uh the the concept of perfectionism i think must be subjective anyway you know um because you know what some people don't hear i hear um, right. so uh so uh, plus the other the other problem of course is that it's never finished yeah <laughs> you know uh you could spend the rest of your life making your first album because it's never quite felt i could always you know oh, what about this and so i mean on the whole i just kind of follow my ears wherever it goes and um and you know i think i'm conscious of trying to create an atmosphere and a, a you trying to trying to make music that can be immersive so you you feel like you're you're involved in it somehow yeah you have a, a bunch of guests on this record bunch you know a few of the king crimson guys uh, Robert Fripp, Gavin Harrison, Peter Hamill is on this one, Mark King. So when you go into a record like this, do you wait until things are written and then opportunities come to mind on who might fit here and there? How does it work when you're doing that? Well, three of the tracks on this record I wrote for Crimson. So um, so they've got Tony and Gavin and... Um, and Robert on anyway. Um, mm. uh, Mel is on one track. Mel would have been on more of it, but he just wasn't around. He's He's been having a strange old time uh, personally. So um, he wasn't in the country for ages. And then when he came back, um, he didn't have any of his, you know, we were in strict lockdown and he didn't have any of his equipment because it, he, he'd moved from one, one place to another. Um, uh, and then, I mean, Gavin... I mean, I, you know, for me, Gavin is the finest drummer in the world. Um, but he also happens to be, you know, one of my oldest pals. So mm. that's why Gavin's on, on, uh, he plays drum on all the tracks apart from one, I think. And, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. You, the, the, once you start getting into it, I, I mean, in this day and age, the kind of writing and recording process, uh, becomes somewhat blurred, uh, because of the nature of the technology you know yeah um so you can always change the arrangement or the writing of a tune quite a, you know right up to when you finish it um uh, but like any kind of other artistic pursuit i guess like um painting a picture or or or, or, or sculpting you know it, it's sometimes it emerges what what you're doing emerges out of, of of what you've done you know you suddenly see another shape or you hear another sound and and uh, and sometimes um the nature of the tune might suggest a particular player you know and i'm very fortunate that i know some amazing musicians that i can call on so um I think that's, yeah, that's the kind of rule of thumb. And, you know, you can get people to play the instrument or you can get people who do more than that. You know, you don't you don't get Gavin in to play drums. You get Gavin in because he's Gavin. And you know that if you give him something, he'll 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 come back with something unique that you'd not really considered or contemplated. You know, and same with all the guys. For me, there's there's only a few drummers where when I'm listening to. Uh, a song or an album that I focus in on the drumming and he's definitely yeah. in the, in that two or three that I, that I yeah. do that with. It's tremendous. He's, he's amazing. He's got an amazing ability to make 
very difficult music sound like it's grooving and like it's yeah. the easiest thing in the world. He's just got that vibe about him. And, uh, and, and he's a very consistent player, you know, as someone that mixes a lot of records, he's, you know, each snare drum hit is this, is the exact same volume, you know, right. Uh, un- unless, it, unless he's playing it deliberately dynamically, then, you know, so he's very consistent, hits it in the same place and, and he's got a great sound and uh, yeah, he's fantastic. I bet that's an underrated uh, ability for a drummer that maybe only a mixer or a producer is aware of, right? That how, how good a drummer yeah, is well, that kind consistent. That, yeah, that consistency, yeah, makes life a darn sight easier. You know, yeah. I've, I have mixed things where I've had to go through and turn up, uh, you know, every third snare drum or turn right. every fourth one down, you know, otherwise it kind of leaps out because it's... Uh, and and they all sound different because they're hitting them in a slightly different place on the snare, you know. And of course, sometimes you'll do that deliberately as an effect. But but when you're holding down something that's regular, um, yeah, he's. But he's very controlled, you know. That's kind of that's how he approaches it all. He's he's brilliant. Yeah. So uh, another guy that's on the album that um, was cool for me because I'm a big fan is was Mark King from Level Forty Two, and I. I wasn't aware of your involvement with them. I didn't realize you were in, in the band for a few years, which is which is pretty cool. Yeah, I was. Um, and in fact, the the second lot of touring I did with them, the drummer left, and I recommended my pal. So um, Gavin Harrison was the drummer uh, in Level Forty Two as well. That's for a some while, band. So. <laughs> yeah, people yeah. People think absolutely. of them as well. At least here in the states, you know, they had a, a few pop hits, but. I mean, tremendous musicians in that group there. It's... Yeah, well, that was that was with the joy of getting that job. Really, was uh, you know they were that rare, that rare um, creature where they were you know they had real reputation as being players, but they were also commercially very successful. So, yeah. um, you know that that's that's a rare combination. So I'm very fortunate to have played with them. Yeah, that's very cool. Uh, you know, I haven't had a chance to see the. Uh, uh, well, actually, King Crimson ever, but certainly the the recent lineup with, um, you know, with the three drummers and with you in the band, and that's been very successful on the road now for a few years. Mm. Um, if, and just, I believe it was uh, maybe a month or two into the lockdown, you guys were finally going to be near my area in South Florida, which is where I am. And uh, of course, you know, as we know, things have gotten canceled. So. Yeah, well, we, we were going to kick off there. We were rehearsing there. Oh, in wow. fact, um, and doing a number of shows in Florida. Yeah. And we've not played in that, that part of America, um, since we started and we've, and we've toured America a lot, but we've, we've never, we've never gone down, down there. So, um, yeah, I was looking forward to it. Uh, uh and, uh, we've rescheduled all those dates for, um, for next year, but Hey, listen, who knows? Who knows? Um, so are you due to come it, back that, that this way again? Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the tour that was, uh, had to be postponed this year has been rescheduled for the same uh, period uh, next year. Okay, um, cool. Well, let's hope, but, you know, who knows? These well, listen, <laughs> even if you get rid of the, vi- if you get rid of the virus, let's just hope you're not, you're, uh, there's not a civil war going on, which seems a, <laughs> another possibility. Well, yeah. Who knows what's going to be in a month? Oh goodness. It's a uh, yeah. mad time. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I've seen, uh, the live videos is all I've, you know, I've seen of these tours and it just looks so cool. It's such a unique setup and, and especially with this dynamic music that you guys pull off. I mean, what are those shows like? And when you first started playing, um, 
Was that a, a unique approach, the the way the band is arranged on stage? Was that different for you to get used to and, and that whole vibe? Yeah, I think um, when we first started rehearsing, well, A, when he first told us the lineup, we thought it was insane. Um, and then when we first rehearsed, we kind of did it in the round. So we were all facing each other. <clears throat> and I remember the next uh, batch of rehearsals were... Um, at a famous film studio here uh, just outside London called L Street. And um, we were in one of the big sound stages. And I remember walking in and seeing seeing the equipment lined up. And we, and it's, you suddenly thought, oh, wow, this looks amazing. Um, and I think the other thing that it did uh, that wasn't apparent when we first just thought about it was it turns the concept of a normal rock group on its head, you mm. know, um, uh, instead of the lead singer being down the front, supported by the um, by the other players, which of course is his rightful position, um, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I found myself up at the back instead of down the front, and actually it, it generates this rather egalitarian thing, I think, where you know you're suddenly focusing on which individual is doing, you know, the 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 most work at that particular time, and your your eye is drawn. To that and of course the other thing that's amazing is gavin wrote all these uh, extraordinarily kind of uh, complicated arrangements for three drums um so you, there's there's not a point really where they're all bashing away the same thing it's right. it's very disciplined and it's uh, and it's all it's very intricate and it's like it's a bit like one drummer with uh, uh, with 12 limbs, you know, rather than, than three drummers. But, but the other thing that's great is a great theatricality about that. And there's mm. some tunes where you see the beat kind of going across the stage and then back again. Yeah. Um, I see that in some of the videos and it almost like drum fills start from one end and go through yeah. all the three drummers. And I mean, that's just really unique and, and just gotta be so cool to, to watch. Yeah. Um, but it has, you know, it brings with it an awful lot of technical challenges. Yeah. Uh, as a guitar player, you know, we, I, Tony and I can't have an amp and a cab on stage because the first thing that's going to hit is three lots of drum overheads. So um, we're all on in-ear monitoring and um, mm. we're all using modeling amps, you know, instead of the real thing. Oh, right. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, when, when you got the gig, first of all, I don't, I, I, I'd like to go back and, and tell the story about getting, about you getting the gig, but was it was was the band something that was really influential for you growing up and was this a band that that you you know were raised on and sort of like oh yeah 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 they were my favorite group as a kid they were the reason i wanted to become a musician right uh when i was about 11 years old my next door neighbor played me 21st century schizoid man and i i just blew the top of my head off and i could tell even at that age um with limited experience and knowledge I could tell this was coming from a different place to all the other music yeah. um, that was being produced by their contemporaries. And then um, two years later, they came and played at our local town and I went and it was just mesmerizing. And I, I left the concert hall thinking that somehow my life had been changed. Um, and uh, I used to tell that story. And of course, once I'd become a professional musician uh, and was dealing with the uh, vagaries of the industry, the, the the this idea that a 13 year old kid had somehow been uh his molecules would be rearranged by a band suddenly seemed like a rather uh a, a, a rather kind of childish notion 
Um, and yet, and yet, you know, several years after that, I ended up in that band, which is mad. I mean, that's just about the maddest childhood dream made <laughs> it is flesh. Crazy, yeah. Yeah. Well, there was a number of things, you know, that was a really exciting period. Uh, you know, I was 13 when I saw Crimson and that, I think that was that year I saw my first ever gigs and, uh, the band I saw before Crimson, who also played locally to me, was was Yes. Wow. And and if you'd have said to me that day, <laughs> you see that drummer, well, in the future, you're going to remix his first two solo albums. And you see the bass player, you're going to remix his solo album. And and uh, throughout, you know, throughout the, the all of those bands that I saw and was excited about, I've ended up working and, uh, you know, on one one way or another with with most of them it's uh it's i've been incredibly fortunate i saw a cool video you did with uh with uh, i stumbled upon another guy that i'm a big fan of but nick kershaw with um you did a prs <laughs> guitar thing that yeah i stumbled yeah. upon and i wanted to bring up because i think he's amazing one of the most underrated artists there is and i'm a oh huge, i agree yeah huge fan I of agree. his i agree completely and but i've known nick a long long time we were we were in rival bands back in the late seventies, um, uh, so we used to, our paths would cross, um, and um, you know, and then out of the blue, seemingly he became he, he changed from being this kind of fusion jazz rock guitar player into a into a pop star. So. <laughs> uh, but he's got an amazing, he's an amazing songwriter, and yeah, um, uh, yeah this this uh, so a couple of albums he made post his big success uh, that are fantastic with some amazing songs, amazing lyrics. Yeah. And um, that's the stuff I yeah. like the best. The um, 15 minutes. I don't know if that's one you're yeah. referring to. Yeah. 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 yeah that's was that stuff. great song called Billy. And there's oh, that a, song's great. Yeah. There's a fantastic song in five uh, called uh, this house. Do you know this? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, brilliant. Simon Phillips on drum. Yeah. yeah, no, he's a, and he's a fantastic guy. I had lunch with him on Friday, in fact. So. Oh wow! I, I want to touch base a little bit more on the a new record because we got a little bit off track. But um, songwriting-wise, uh, do you, did you approach it sort of differently than when you're writing for Crimson? I mean, the, the, it seems like there's a lot of personal, auto, autobiographical things on there, or is that just you being kind of a storyteller? I mean, how do you approach? No, it? no. Uh, yeah, there's an awful lot of, of stuff that's born out of personal stuff, things that happened. Um, yeah, and I, the, there's a, and I I think yeah I think there is a there are some things I would feel uncomfortable about uh, in Crimson that that I probably avoid. Yeah, um, although you know two 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 of the two of the three songs that are on the album that I wrote for Crimson are pretty personal and uh, and are based on real life incidents you know right or have their genesis in that yeah do you um a plan to you want to hope to i guess play some of this music live at some point i mean yeah that... well that i was i was planning on in february um uh putting a band together to do some stuff live um <laughs> but it's all gone to pot really so yeah. uh who knows but yes in theory um uh I, yeah i was very keen to try it to try it yeah i've seen uh, some, you know, i've seen some things where it, it seemed like there were some attempts for live shows to start happening in some places but is that is that sort of yeah the... I, well they did they've done a couple of things 
at the Palladium in London. Um, but, you know, that that requires um, that, you know, that, you know, that you end up with 400 people in a venue that holds 3000, you know. Yeah. Um, and there's been some outdoor things. I've been to a couple of comedy shows, but, you know, you, the weather in England is so unpredictable. Mm. Um, I did one uh, which worked great and um, went to one that worked great. And I went to another where it was just torrential rain and thunderstorms and was a complete <laughs> nightmare. Right. Um, yeah, you know, what are you going to do? You know, yeah. it's England. Yeah. Um, if there's no shows projecting another year out or so, I mean, where does this, where does this put you? Do you think that you go back and start writing a new record or, or, well, I'm going to do that anyway. Right. Um, you know, I, I never stop writing really. I, I just, um, you're just in, you know, you're, you're changing the vehicle for, for, for which you're doing it. So yeah, I mean, I've already got some ideas and lines and, you know, and I, I, I'm forever writing things down, you know, a uh, line of dialogue or a title or, or whatever that that's uh, that's kind of inspired me and that and as i say you know there's um there's some things that i think are a good idea but i just think i can't get away with that in crimson right um uh I, the, for instance there's a song title i've got i haven't finished it but there's a song title i've got which is um i don't care what opera winfrey says i thought i can't do that in king <laughs> It's a good song title, though. It's yeah, <laughs> intriguing. Well, keep it to yourself, but don't worry. Copyright. Don't anyone That's nick right. it. No, no worries. Uh, you know what? I should ask you, being uh, being a guitarist, uh, about the uh, loss of Eddie Van Halen, which was as as we're doing this interview, it happened yesterday, and uh, just if you had any experience uh, knowing him, meeting him, or or just nope. being a fan. No, no, but well, no, of course I was a fan. He was yeah. extraordinary, and I think he was. Um, you know, one of one of the most influential guitar players of all time, I would say. Um, uh, you know, a million imitators in his wake. Yeah. But he was extraordinary and had his own thing and played with a, an alarming sense of confidence, which is bordering on the intimidating, really. But I thought he was amazing, and uh, and I loved that he he really bigged up Alan Holdsworth. He thought Alan Holdsworth was a genius, which he was. Um, so, you know, I loved him for that too. So now it's a, it's very, very sad, terrible shock. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. One of those musicians that, uh, it was apparent yesterday and I didn't have any doubt that it would be, but just, it didn't matter, uh, the genre, the, the you know, it, people everywhere from, from pop to hip hop to prog to metal, everyone was just down about it yesterday. It just, yeah, yeah, you know, of course. Yeah. Which is, uh, yeah, he was amazing. Yeah, amazing. Uh, listen, well, thanks, Jocko. Uh, great to talk to you and uh, catch up a little bit on the new record, Secrets and Lies, out October 23rd. Um, and good luck. I hope I finally get to see Crimson and, and, and you know, maybe meet up with you if we get down here to Florida. And Definitely, um, yeah. You know, I hope that uh, things get back to normal, <laughs> hopefully soon. Okay, thanks, man. All right, man. Talk to you soon. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks to Jacko for the interview. Don't forget his new album, Secrets and Lies, comes out on October 23rd. We're going to close with the track, Uncertain Times. For upcoming news and interviews and more, please check progreport.com. Follow us on Facebook, at The Prog Report on Twitter and Instagram. And download the podcast on all our podcast networks. And follow us on YouTube. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs>